So I gotta suit up, suit up, cause you ain't gonna let up, let up. The Park Church of Christ in Tulsa present Suit Up. Here's your host, Kevin Warren. Sometimes growing up as a preacher's kid, well, it can have its challenges. For Philip Montgomery, those Christian principles given to him by his parents and people in the churches that he attended helped set a foundation for Philip to lean on when the storms of life rolled in and he's had his fair share. Going on his eighth season as head football coach at the University of Tulsa, second longest tenure for that position in the school's history, I started my conversation with Philip Montgomery by asking him if he grew up with siblings. Oh yeah, we've got a big family. So I have uh, an older brother that's eight years older than I am, a sister that's four years older than I am. Um, There was a son in between my sister and I that, that didn't make it. Then I was born. I was kind of the the makeup baby, if you will. And then I have a younger brother uh, that uh, is 19 months younger than I am. Okay. So always lots going on in the household. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so you're the third of, of four. What what happened? Was it a brother or a sister that didn't make Now, did it didn't make it at birth or didn't just? Yeah, only only lived a few hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay, so that would have been your older brother and sister would have been a part of that. Tell me about life growing up in the in Dallas because that's where you were born. But I, I'm assuming you were born in Dallas, but you lived outside of Dallas. Do you have to do you have to go to Dallas to have the baby and then go back home? I think at that time, um, I think Dad was preaching at, at one of the South Dallas congregations, and I think he was more at that point um, kind of the youth minister kind of minister and training, if you will. Um, and then pretty quickly, I think we moved to Kaufman, which is just outside of Dallas too. Um, but then at that point, it was pretty, my, my, most of my memories start in Lake Jackson, which is south of Houston. Okay. And uh, dad was the full-time minister down there in, in Lake Jackson. All right, now I know that your dad still does some preaching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's retired three times, yeah. but he keeps going back. Which is awesome. Um, so has he been a preacher your entire life? He's just currently, he's not quote-unquote full-time. Uh, when did he When did he last preach full-time at a church? Uh, it's probably been now, maybe maybe a year, but probably more like eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how old is your dad now? Uh, turns 81 uh, on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So obviously you grew up in a Christian household. Did. Um, you know, that word can mean a lot to a lot of different people. What did that mean to you in that household? Well, obviously our faith within our 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 family was very strong. Um, believe it or not, my my mother was a preacher's kid. Um, and so I, I never thought about it. I just thought everybody lived this way, you know, um, it, every time the doors were open, we were there. Uh, if something needed to be done at the church, we did it. Um, dad, mom, they would do what we called back then campaigns. And I did it from the time I was a a, a baby until through my high school years, we would go on we go on campaigns yeah. uh, for a week in the summer, and, and mom and dad would take a group of high school kids. 
we would find a place, a small town, whatever, and, and Dad would do a gospel meeting at night. We would do VBS during the mornings, and we would knock doors in the afternoons. And, and you know, I just thought that's what everybody did and didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been at Tulsa for eight years now, and you and I were just talking before we started this podcast that that ties you for the second longest tenure at TU with John Cooper and only the 12 years that Dave Rader was the head coach there. Wow. You know, once you get to nine, you'll be in second by yourself. <laughs> but but it's been somewhat of a nomadic life yeah. for you. Uh, did you find that, that that was the lifestyle at home too? It was. I mean, honestly, I think the longest we lived in one place as I was growing up was four years before we moved again. Uh, When we were down on Lake Jackson, you know how it is down that far south and and the humidity around, though, it was really starting to affect my dad's voice. And, And the doctor at that time told him, hey, you need to get to a drier climate. So we actually leave the state of Texas. We go from Lake Jackson all the way out to Hobbs, New Mexico. Wow. And that's dry. Um, <laughs> and so we spent, we spent four years in Hobbs, uh, and then we moved 20 miles away to Lovington. Um, had some really good times there. Uh, my oldest brother actually graduated from Lovington. And then we moved to Childress, which is up in the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. And then from Childress, we moved to Eastland, which I still refer to as my hometown. Yeah. So how old would you have been then when you were in New Mexico? So I was still, let's see, I wasn't in kindergarten yet when we moved to Hobbs. And I did the preschool, and I think I did kindergarten in Hobbs. And then when we got to Lovington, I was a, a first grader. Okay. Something to that nature. So, and you and I know, Church of Christ, right? Yes. Okay. And, and I, I grew up Church of Christ as well. And of course, uh, people don't know this, but we attend the same church <laughs> here in, in Tulsa. You actually invited me, if you remember. I, you know what? I think I do remember that. Because my first day or so on the job, we came in. I, DT brought me up here, and I, I got on the radio uh, at uh, lunch, I think. And you said, hey, I hear you're part of the Church of Christ, or you're a member of the Church of Christ. Hey, and and I came to park yep. that. Yep, Park Plaza. Park Plaza at yeah. that point, uh, yep. that Sunday. So, as we know, sometimes preachers' kids are somewhat wild. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. No, did you I, fall, hey, I did fight you that all the that? time. No, I fight. I fight that all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not. Because people all they they do they raise their eyebrows. Oh, you're you're the wild preacher's kid. No, I was not the wild preacher's kid. Um, Were one of your brothers or your sister? I would never kid? put that stigma on them either. Um, you know, we we lived in a in a pretty. As I look back on it, we were in a pretty strict home, and you know, not that we were coddled, or I think it was really the opposite of that. Uh, we were still exposed to what was going on in the world, but but our household was, you know, we, we were going to toe the line, and, and that's what Dad expected of us. And, you know, I thank him for it now. You know, there's probably some times back then where I'm thinking, why why does he got to be so hard on us? But, you know, I think for him, um, you know, he lost his dad when he was five years old, so he really never had that father figure, and his mom kind of had to fill both those roles. And, you know, he wanted us to know what it takes to work and, and we did a lot of that, mm-hmm. uh, but it really molded us to who I think all of my brothers and sisters are to this day. 
I had grew up with a with a slight fear of my father, you know, because of that strict and and corporal punishment was, you know, part of, of <laughs> what happened in our household. I don't even call it corporal. It's just punishment. This it is what it was. I didn't know any different. <laughs> Did you find sometimes that, you, that the home was too strict? I, I didn't know that much different. Now, obviously, as you get into high school and, and, and when it starts coming to curfews and things like that and your friends are staying out much later and you're going home mm-hmm. uh you start like well, i mean what what I, I i mean it's just now starting to have fun and now i gotta go home um but you know like for us even you know junior senior year in high school you're sitting there well friday night you can go out and you might get to stay out till midnight but that was going you're going to shut it down definitely by then because mm-hmm. uh, nothing good happens after midnight i still tell my players that that's true but you know, when it came Saturday night, you know, we were going to be home at 1030 because we had church the next morning. And I don't want you sitting there tired and not awake and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all that in church, sitting over there nodding. Well, so, especially if your dad's preaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, be I've worst. been called down from the pulpit before. So <laughs> Look, I know you grew up a big part of your childhood in Texas. And, you, and so football is going to be a part of it. When did you gravitate towards football, and, and did you play other sports too, and how good were you at some of those? Yeah, I, I actually, we, we played a lot of sports. And, and my, my, my family, my dad, my mom, everybody, we were a sports family, and we loved it, whether that was, you know, watching the Cowboys on Sunday or, you know, so many times we'd have, kids over to the house, families over to the house, teenage things going on at the house. And as a little kid, you grow up and, you know, we, we set up the volleyball net and we all go out and play volleyball. Or, you know, for us, every Saturday was a work day at, at our house. Mm-hmm. So most of the time we lived out in the country. And so there's always jobs to get, that need to get done. Yeah. And so dad would get us up at six. We'd all go out and work. We'd have red beans. Uh, at lunch, I can tell you exactly what we ate every time. <laughs> Home fries, all this, loved it. We would take a nap for an hour, and then we'd go out and finish whatever we need to finish. And then when we finished that job, there was a family basketball game that happened. I mean, we poured our own concrete. <laughs> Sometimes we played on the rock until we had enough funds to pour the slab for the concrete. We poured it. We would hang a basketball go up on the side of the house, and and we would play. And so... We played a lot of basketball at our house. You know, we played a lot of out in the pasture playing football, and, and we'd just get after each other. And and so sports was always a big part of who we were as a family, mm-hmm. and, and we had a lot of a lot of fun doing that. Did you play organized stuff as a yeah. youngster, Little League? So I played Little League. I okay. played Little Dribblers, okay. which was basketball at that time. Yep. I played soccer. Um, soccer in Texas? That what? was actually in New Mexico. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, when we moved to Texas, back to Texas, when we moved to Childress, that was my seventh grade year. New Mexico, they don't start at football until eighth grade. Mm-hmm. In Texas, you started in seventh grade. So we actually moved, oh, I want to say it was somewhere midway through the summer. And so I didn't know any of the coaches, didn't know any of that. And and so we moved up. We started school then. I played a little bit of summer baseball, so I got to meet a, a few guys that way mm-hmm. that summer. But then we come in and football's starting. And, and so uh, 
that's kind of where it kind of took off for me. Yeah. Now, did your uh, older brother play football yes. as well? Yeah, he was a football. He was a football, basketball, track guy. Okay. And Mike, my oldest brother, he may be the best athlete of everybody. I mean, but he was he was a really good receiver, defensive back. Uh, he was their punter. I mean, he actually got opportunities. He got a scholarship offer at Arizona State to go punt. Wow. But he was a really good track guy. And back then, you know, they were running the 300 intermediate hurdles. That was kind of his race. Mm -hmm. And he was running in the low 39s, high 38s. Wow. Um, And so he could really pick them up and set them down. He ended up going to ACU, kind of did a little bit of both track and and football and ended up, you know, kind of getting out of that part of it and kind of going a different direction. And your sister, was she athlete She was a basketball. Okay. uh, Really more basketball. She did a little bit of track. But she was a scrappy little basketball player. She she would throw elbows and butts and everything else. She so, had to. Yeah, she's. I mean, with three brothers, she she would have been a great football player. And as a kid, she was in all of our games. So she's yeah. she was she still is tough as nails. Yeah. When do you think, Philip, that 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 belief in God was really and that faith became your your own as opposed to something that your parents gave you? You know, you start, I remember I, I remember where I got baptized and all of that. I was 10 years old. We were in Lovington, New Mexico when I, when I was baptized and gave my life to Christ. And, you know, I remember that feeling and what I felt on that day. But you're still such an infant when it comes to really what is your faith and what is your commitment. Mm. Going on all these campaigns and and having to really be able to when people you knock on a door and you got to be able to tell them about your faith and they start asking you questions and you having to be able to have a legitimate response and not being able to say because that's what my dad said or right. that's what my teacher said um, it's got to it's got to be genuine and and, and you got to have some knowledge to what you're you're talking about and so that helped me grow right Mm -hmm. but i think all of us and i talk to our players about this now i think all of us really take that step when you get to college mom's not there to get you up to go to church and make you go to church and dad's not there to get you up and make you go to church this is your decision now we're gonna they're gonna push you hey did you go to church did you you know get connected here did you get connected there but that's when you really start deciding where 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 is this path taking me and what is my true commitment faith where is that leading me mm-hmm. and, and i think when i got to college that was a big cuz i'd always been in a home where every time it's open you're there yeah and, and you never missed and you you're always scratching your head why on sunday night is it is there not as many people here i don't understand that where <laughs> we all come. so there wasn't an option no there was never but also that option in college there is but there is an option and now you've got to what is that relationship going to be? And how do I develop my own personal mm-hmm. relationship with Christ and with God? And, and where is that going to take me? So let me ask you about college, because you, you mentioned that kind of where you, you take that faith and make it your own. You went to Tarleton State. Mm-hmm. Was that your only option? And you were quarterback? Yeah, I was a quarterback. And then my last year, I transitioned over and started at free safety. Okay. Why Why go to school there? You know, honestly, so I I played a lot of sports in, in high school. I went to a small school, 
and believe it or not, my first love was basketball. Um, I was a I was a pretty good basketball player. My senior year, we had some things going on. We were ten and zero, but we didn't get to go to the playoffs. And there was, you know, so back then recruiting didn't really start until much much later. So like you finished your season, then recruiting really started. Mm-hmm. And so by being in a small school and us not getting the opportunity to go play in the playoffs. You know, I felt like that kind of diminished some of my my recruiting. I was getting lots of letters, but then all of a sudden it just kind of stopped. Letters don't mean offers. Exactly. Yeah. And so we roll right into basketball, and and you know, I I thought I might have a chance to to earn one as a player. I was a, I was a pretty decent player, and mm-hmm. so when that all kind of finished up, then it was sitting down, and and you know, I ran track, played baseball, and did all that too. But how what what, what do I want to do? And, and so. We ended up, uh, you know, Tarleton at that point, they were having some really good teams come through. I didn't have all the D1 things going on. So in my mind, I, I had it where I had a lot of, I'm not saying confidence, but I felt like I was a pretty good player. I thought, hey, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to Tarleton. I'm going to play. And then I'm going to transfer out and, uh, you know, go walk on at Tech or do something to that mm-hmm. nature. Um you know, ACU was recruiting me, and it was a lot of the Long Star Conference things. And um, I was the first child that didn't go to the ACU. My, my brother went to ACU. My sister went to Lubbock Christian. Okay. I was the first one to go to a state school. And so Dad and I sat down. We talked through that part of it, and and this is where we decided that, that we were going to go. And it was closer to home, and, and, and all of that felt good. Yeah. Now, when did Ashley come into the picture? Yeah, so I was doing Your my wife, <laughs> for the listeners. I'm talking about Philip Montgomery's wife, Ashley. When I was, I was done playing, and I'd now been GAing at Tarleton. Okay. And uh, I was doing my student teaching, and I was fortunate enough, because of GAing at the university, I was lucky enough that I got to do my student teaching in Stephenville. And so... To make a long story short, her cousin was in one of the sixth grade classes that I was student teaching for. Mm-hmm. You know the field days that you have in elementary where they yeah. all go out and it's, it's you know, you have the this race and that race. Okay, mm-hmm. so she got sick. She would been at the University of Texas. She got sick and had to come home. She got that sick and had to come home and drop out that semester. She was there watching her cousin. All the little sixth grade girls said, hey, you need to meet my cousin, blah, blah, blah. And so I met her at that field day. Um, That weekend, I went and played in the state softball tournament. You know how college is. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of connected the next week. And and believe it or not, that that was in April. And and I married her in December. (laughs) That's how quick it was. So You knew something right off... So, you know, and it was funny. We we really started kind of diving into that uh, that summer, and yeah. I got an opportunity. My old high school head coach was a head coach out in East Texas at a really small school, and um, he offered me a job. And I knew I was at that point with Ashley where this this is who I want my wife to be, and I want us to build a a, a life together. Me moving all the way to East Texas we need to have these conversations before this happens because I'm not going to take that job 
if if we're not doing this because I was making a hundred dollars a month as a GA. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't support a wife on a hundred dollars a month, so right. I'm going to take this job because of where our relationship is going, and and I want to be able to provide for my family in that mm-hmm. sense. So that's kind of where that started. Now, was she a Christian already? So. She she had not been baptized at that point. Okay. She had gone to church with her family, her aunts and her uncles, mostly to the Baptist uh, church there in town. So she'd been around religion and, and church, mm-hmm. uh, Christianity, if you will. Um, so as as we continued to grow and our relationship grew and we got married and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to I baptized everybody in my family. I baptized wow. my wife, I baptized my son, and I got to baptize my daughter. So that's awesome. pretty special. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now you're married, mm-hmm. and your coaching career has started. Now this is where the real nomad stuff kicks in, right? Because now you're going <laughs> from high school to high school, even though I noticed you were only coaching on the high school ranks for about eight years. Maybe seven? Uh, a little little bit, uh, about eight. Yeah, I think okay. eight, eight, maybe nine, but that's it. And c- because I noticed when I was looking at, and at some point there, you you start a relationship with our Bryles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he coached on a high school level for 20 years mm-hmm. before he started co- coaching on the college level. How did you make the connection with Art? Because you start coaching in college at Houston. Yeah, uh, under him, mm-hmm. and then you once he gets the job at Baylor, you move to Baylor right. uh, to help be on his staff there. W- w- where did you guys connect, and how was that made? So when I did my student teaching in Steamville, he was the head coach at Steamville High School. Oh, okay. And so I missed that. I got an opportunity to kind of be around him a little bit and and help them in off season, do some things like that, and so. I got a chance to meet him that way and, and work with those coaches, and I helped with some of their spring sports, and then I'd go over and do spring ball with Tarleton. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to East Texas with my old high school coach, and then a year later I pick her up and move her, and we move back to Stephenville. Uh, my head coach decided to take a offensive coordinator job with one of his best friends, and he left me out in East Texas by myself, and I'm like – I don't want to be out here if I'm not out here with you. So we ended up, there was a job that opened up, honestly, at Stephenville Junior High. Mm -hmm. And I took that job with the thought of, I'm going to get back up. And and so I was at the junior high for a year. Then Art moved me up to the high school. And I coached varsity football with him until he left and took the tech job. Yeah. Let's fast forward to starting to coaching college at Mm -hmm. Houston. Was it just getting into college? And uh, were were you – Pretty much like just zoned in on, I'm going to follow this guy because he was a he's a really good football coach. I mean, yeah. and we'll we'll talk about some other things here in just a second. But was there anything about him other than just him being a good football coach that that kind of you you were drawn to? You know, we did some really good things to, together uh, there in Stephenville. I mean, Art is was a very strong leader in that community and you know his morals and his backgrounds and where he came from and what he did really intertwined with who I wanted to be you know mm-hmm. uh, he was a deacon in their church he was 
you know, there was just so many things, and he coached kids around. He wasn't he wasn't one of those cussing, screaming, hollering coaches. I mean, he was very innovative. He's very upbeat. He's very positive. He got the best out of kids, and uh, boy, kids just believed in what he was saying. And so, um, he was a great mentor to me. And so, I left Stephenville. He left. He he went to Tech. I stayed another year. Then I left and went to Denton. And then he got the job at Houston. And so I'd only been at Denton. I hadn't even been there a year. I was, at, I was the offense coordinator at Denton High School. And he calls me because I'm about to take the head job at Athens, Texas. Okay. Um, and he knew the superintendent. I knew the superintendent. Uh, he had, you know, it's all about connections. And, and mm-hmm. you know how this business works. And so he had called him and say, hey, I need you to slow up a little bit. And so he called me one night about 10 o'clock. He'd gotten a job at Houston, maybe he had it a day or two. I don't know. I can't remember. But he called me about 10 o'clock that night, and he said, hey, I, I want you to come join my staff at Houston. I want you to be our, our backfield coach, coach the quarterbacks and the running backs. And I was like, well, at that point, to be honest, when I left Tarleton as a GA, I said, I'm, I'm done coaching college. I'm going to be a high school football coach, and that was my dream, and I was, I was good with that. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. And he called and, and offers me this opportunity, and I'm like, I never thought about coaching in college. I don't, you know, I know what it is. Do I really want to get into that type of rat race? And, and uh, so I hang up the phone with him. Ashley and I sit on the bed that night, and we talk for hours, and – you know, the good Lord's got a plan. And sometimes it's hard to understand, is this what I need to do? Is this what he's wanting me to do? Is this the path that we need to take? We got two little kids. Um, do I want to move my kids to Houston? You know, all of those mm-hmm. questions come into play. And uh, Art told me when he got off the phone, he said, now, hey, I'm not trying to put pressure on you, but there is pressure. You got 24 hours to make this decision <laughs> and or I got to move on. Yeah. And uh, – Ashley and I talked about it. We stayed up all night, got very little sleep, prayed on it, talked about it, and I called him the next morning, took the job, and here we go. Yeah. I, I would think, because I've, I've got men who have mentored me, too, uh, in life, who I know are just good, solid men, and, and then things happen. And I, I would think it's just got to be crushing for you to see how Art Bryles has been treated lately. It's really, really hard to hear people on the outside talk about a man that they don't know. And I know that man to the core. I know who he is. I know how he's handled his life, um, how he's handled his family, what he stands for, what he's always stood for. And so, yeah, it makes it tough because you bring up that name and everybody immediately just goes to these very radical things. And mm-hmm. and that that is that is not who Art is. And, and I will defend him on that part of it till the day I die because – he is a guy that uh, he's worked for everything he's gotten. He is he's been a good Christian man. He's been a man of faith, and he's been a big big family man all the way through. Yeah. Tell me about what happened with Tulsa coming into the picture, and because you had just been you were a finalist for the Broyles Award as right. top assistant in Division One football the year before. So obviously your name was out there, and what you guys had been doing offensively at Baylor was incredible stuff so i know you were on a lot of people's radar why tulsa and and at that time you know when we were in conference usa at houston 
Tulsa was in our conference at that point. And, uh, you know, that's when Craig Thorpe was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there towards the end of it, Todd was here. Um, and we'd come up here and played a couple of times. Actually, when the hurricane hit Houston, um, we spent a week here in Tulsa. We stayed at the Doubletree downtown. We worked out at Union High School. Bill Blankenship was the head okay. coach at that point. Um, and, and we played Tulsa that next week. And so we practiced and stayed all week up here. When the opportunity came about, and, and I, I interviewed, uh, and there were several of those guys that were in there. Um, it was close to Texas. I had a lot of recruiting cl- ties back to Texas, so I thought that made a lot of sense for me. I wanted to be really smart about that first opportunity because I was in a good position. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to leave. Um, we were doing good things. And so I wanted to be really smart about what that next job was going to be. And so I've seen too many guys that they jump and take a head job and they get to stay there for two years, they get let go, and that's the only shot they ever get to be a head coach. And so I wanted to kind of look and make sure that there were some things, like from a recruiting standpoint, can I use the ties that I have right now uh, to help develop that program, and Tulsa fell into that. It was a private university. I've, I'm coming from a private university. I understand what that is going to entail and some of the challenges, but also some of the advantages of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to have to move my family too far away from all of our family because we've always been really close-knit, Ashley's side of the family and my side of the family. And so there were some things there that that made a whole lot of sense. And then when you get to the city, I mean – the city just embraces you. And it's, it's, I always tell our recruits and their families, Tulsa's so unique in the sense that it's got all the amenities of the big city, but it's still got that small town feel where I know my neighbors, they know me. I go to the store, I see people all the time. Mm-hmm. I go to church, I know people at church. Um, I can get anywhere I want to in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's still got that small town kind of vibe to it. And, and that was really attractive to my family and I. That was funny you say that about the time because that's one of the things I would tell people. Back when I had my own show on on the Sports Animal, the daily show, I remember I could get up out of my chair at my home in Broken Arrow and time it. And I could be I could get be getting out of that chair and be sitting in my seat at uh HA Chapman Stadium in twenty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, I mean, that's just the way it works. And it's all the way across town. All the way. Yeah. Anyway. Um your mom is it was very important to you. Mm-hmm. I know she's been gone for a couple of years now. When did things really start to move and downhill for for her? You know, we started seeing signs of it when we were still in Waco, but they were smaller signs and and not 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 too hard to handle at that point. After we had moved up here, you could see it starting to decre- decrease, and, and so much more that had to fall upon my dad. And you know, being a caregiver is is an unbelievable task. But you know, we after I'd been here maybe a year, maybe two, we as a family kind of sat down, and, and obviously it was dad dis- dad's decision, but. It finally gotten to that point where it was just so much on him. It, he was digressing health-wise mm-hmm. because of just what he was having to try to help do and take care of her. And so 
We moved them back to Eastland, where my brother, oldest brother, still lives. Um, they stayed in a house there. They had their own. They have their own place there. Uh, that lasted for maybe another year, maybe a year and a half, and then it finally got to the point where we had to find even more help. So we had to find a memory care unit. There was one in Eastland. That's why, as we kind of laid all this in motion, it, it kind of helped from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, and then, you know, the last probably three, three and a half years, you know, mama had gotten to the point where she really wasn't verbal. Um, you know, she would hum at you and, and, and some things. I mean, I can't remember the last time she really called me by name, Mm -hmm. but you know, those are so, it's so difficult to see someone you love kind of go through that disease and, and the way it just eats away at them until they get to the point where you know that's your mama, but is she really, it's just tough. Yeah. Yeah. You look in those eyes and yeah. it's kind of vacant. Well, and, and there's times where you see the clarity in her eyes, mm-hmm. but she can't verbalize it at all. Yeah. And I know that she knows it's me, but that's all I get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know you and Ashley have been, you know, really active uh yeah. with that association uh, the alzheimer's uh folks here in in tulsa mm-hmm. and uh i know every year you know you guys get geared up for that and um i know this city really appreciates that as well so it, in wrapping this up um if 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 you were to you know see young philip maybe 10 year old philip in new mexico and you were to give him some direction on what was about to come, you know, would there be anything different that you might tell him to be aware of and to, to look out for? You know, I don't know that I would go back and change anything. I mean, all the different life experiences that, that God's put in front of us, you know, I I think he prepared me for what we're doing now. I mean, us moving as kids, well, that's hard because back then you didn't have Twitter and phones and and all of that from the standpoint of I'll just pick up the phone and call my buddy back. Well, you know that that didn't happen. So when you moved, you moved, and you know it was hard to you you might write a letter to your buddy back there, and that's that's how you communicated. But I think it prepared us to be able to walk into different environments and be able to get to know people and put yourself out there because I was a really really shy kid when. It, as a child, I was the one hiding behind mama's skirt and, you know, didn't really like to talk in public like that. And, and so those experiences helped me grow and put me in, in places of leadership, whether that was leading singing at church or praying at church or, or being a part of communion or whatever that might be. And, mm-hmm. and so those different opportunities help form who I am today. Some of the different struggles that we had, you know, um, whether that was sports-related or family-related or what those might be, those challenges that we can all learn from. You know, I think about now and and going through everything we went through with Mama, and that was really, really hard. And You have some tough years, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have some struggles, some ups and downs of the season, and that's where you got to really rely on your faith and, and your trust in knowing who you are and, and knowing what's important to you and, Understanding God's never going to put too much on your on your plate. Yeah. He's going to give you what you can handle. He's going to test you through it. Yeah, yeah. But just know 
He's going to be there to help pick you up. Philip, thank you so much, man. You know, um, I had mentioned to you, I've been praying for this interview for three years. I trust God's timing and the timing was awesome. I understand why, why we needed to wait until now to do this interview. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, man, just, just love what you do and how you do it. My thanks to Philip Montgomery for being a part of Suit Up and wish him the best. Over the last five seasons at Tulsa, his teams have won two, three, four, six, and seven games. We hope he gets to at least eight this season. You can hear more interviews just like this one on the website suitup611.com. 